outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Hey, Nick, come make your podcast uh, debut. Talk about the Vegas wedding. State your name, your 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 occupation, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Nick White, co-owner of Vanessa House Beer Company. Uh, Vegas wedding. It's going to be the uh, next version of Destination Wedding. We've got a little bit more lime zest in it. So, uh, it oh, that's fantastic. Yes. does wonders for the palate. Nick. Yeah. Be happy. I'm super happy. I'm ecstatic. Are my levels? Check my level. Check, check, check out my <laughs> melody. Check, check out my melody. Uh. On a scale of one to ten, how much the Vegas wedding fuck you up? Ooh, ooh. Uh, gotta speak. Gotta speak candidly about uh, promoting over drinking. So I'm gonna say it's just a nice, cool, there on a beautiful go. day like today. <laughs> this is a nice, refreshing treat. Yeah. It is. It is just fantastic. By See? the way. See, Keegan's down. Do you have any? Uh, Truly sad. I uh, <laughs> wish these young men would have seen the opportunity in front of them and seized it. That opportunity could have been uh, NFL or it could have just been to gain a college degree and then pursue other uh, avenues of revenue for the future. But they have pissed that all away. How, how long have you been at Vanessa? I'm one of the co-owners, co-founders. So let's say... You found this place? Uh, yeah, found it. Broadway and 8th, right? Street. 118 Northwest 8th. That's the little jingle we wrote. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, been down since what? Well, we started homebrewing like 2011, 2012. In the bathtub. Exactly. Launched the company in 2016 and uh, opened this place up in 2018. So, yeah. And didn't you play football, Nick? I did play football. Where at? Denton Ryan, the Denton Ryan. Uh-oh. In Texas, home of one. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Billy Bowman. Oh. Heard about that guy? You have a little pull with Anthony Hill down there? I know a guy. Okay. I know a guy. You may need I, to hit that guy up. I've been, I've, so one of my best friends from childhood is coaching there now. So I'm, like, hitting him up all the time. I'm like, yo, what's it looking? Do I need to call Lincoln? Have yeah, Lincoln make a call? Like, what we got to do? It sounds or like he's legally, heading to Aggie. Legally, of course. Legally. So, sounds like he's heading to A&M. Hey, nah. Nah, man. Can't let that happen. Think about it. Think about What has A&M done in the last <laughs> 40 <laughs> years? I don't think Jimbo Fisher knows his player's name. His name's Jimbo. First red flag. Hey, hey, Red flag. He thought he thought it'd be a, a great idea to jokingly say that he'd kick Saban's ass. And who wants to who wants to watch that fight? Who wants to watch? Doesn't Saban have two new hips? And and Jimbo he does. You're see, right. And and Jimbo just got a pair of boots. So come on, man. Come on, man. Let's be real about it. Don't I love Vanessa House, Nick. You guys do a great job. Well, hey, we appreciate you guys coming out. I love having you guys on every Thursday if you want to come out and see the Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. They're out here. Pod Singo, Sango, Bongo. Bingo, Bango, Songo. Close, but no cigar. Close. Yeah. So, yeah, these guys are out here podding. We got Bingo, Bango, Songo popping off. New, uh, new themes every week. Occasionally a food truck. And uh, that's how we get down. COVID's almost over. I mean, I... From your lips to God's ears, uh, hopefully everybody's got that vax. You know what I'm saying? We just need to get video of COVID saying something sexist. So we <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, uh, we That'd be the only cut it. Cut it. it. Hashtag vax and wax. That's what we're going for. <laughs> 2021. Appreciate you, Nick. Hey, hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I'm going to give it back to Brady. One, one, two. Check out my melody. Thank you, Nick. I love you. I love you. Love you uh, you're awesome. You're much cooler than I am. I know. I strive to be Brady. No, hush. hush. And it looks, your hair looks much better than mine. Nah, no, no, let's not go there. Yes, welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. That was a three and a half minute Vanessa House promo on air. I just hit record and uh, just decided to give Nick the microphone because that's what I do. I just hand people microphones. If someone else walks by, Keegan, I'll just hand them a microphone. And I'll, we'll just ask him, what, what, what do you think about Trajan Bridges getting kicked off the team? What, what do you think? Do we have some audio to play? Yeah, let's uh, like, you know, talk amongst yourself. Keegan, I, I thought it was, you know, we, we talked about this on the Through the Keyhole pod, right, about how it was notable, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. In between bitching about the uh, uh, the playoff committee. Yes. Yeah, that was a long bitch. Yes, it was. And we said, and we both said it, and we both acknowledged it, right, that it was very interesting that McGowan was in the portal, and you had to note that, right? Well, Brady doesn't sound like 
either guy will be spending much longer in normal. Yeah, no, they're they're not members of, of our program anymore, and and uh, just uh, you know we wish them the very best going forward. I don't know. If it's that difficult. I mean, I think you you know you you have mistakes and of you know the, the guys make that you feel like they can uh, overcome and learn from, and 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 then there's obviously there's always got to be a line there, and uh, there's it's it's certainly not a free pass, and and there's you know, there's things, there's certain things that if they happen, that there's really no explaining left to do. And, uh, and so, you know, that we are in the business of helping people, you know, we can't forget that. I mean, every little mistake that happens out there, people want us to just toss guys away immediately. And that's, that's not our nature. That's not who we want to be at all. But at the same time, we've also got a a university and a, and a proud football program and a, and a, a lot of things here to protect as well. And we're, we're going to help these kids as much as we can, but we're certainly going to protect the, the, the program and the university uh, as well. Keegan, I just have one question mm-hmm. and I'm going to quote the great Bob Stoops. Where's OU going to find someone to catch nine passes now? We're going to get into that. <laughs> we, we do need to get into that because I had a tweet and we had a, we about had a discussion on Twitter again, which would have been fantastic to have, by the way. I was on the treadmill. Yep. I was in no, uh, not on a step mill, but I was on the treadmill warming <laughs> up for the workout. I uh, was in no mood for uh, proper discourse. But I will, you know, bef- let's set the stage. I will, set, I will say this. We've had five or six podcasts we have. since this incident occurred. And I think I was fairly quick to be like, all right, kick him off. Like, I understand that it's like, you know, it's, it's you know, pre-innocent until proven guilty. That's fine. But football, being able to play football is not the law. You're not – if you are just simply alleged to something sometimes, unfortunately, you can lose your luxuries and your luxury of playing football at the University of Oklahoma is, is like one of those things. And given that Trajan Bridges has already broken a rule and put his team back, that just kind of gave me the understanding of like, all right – if this is what this cat's about, then I just don't really want him on the team that I root for, especially when he's done nothing. Now, he did play safety, and that was fun. <laughs> I, I will say, you, you remember me saying this, and everybody that listens to this podcast will also remember me saying this. I said from the moment that we found out that Bridges was allegedly right, but more than likely in the apartment that night, that yeah. was it. Yeah. Like, that oh, was That yeah. was done for me. Um, he admitted in the police affidavit that he was going in the search warrant affidavit that was released a week ago. He admitted that he was going back to his apartment to smoke not one, but two blunts. Not one, not six, not seven. <laughs> I have no problem with that. But the problem is he's been banged for it. So if Lincoln, that affidavit hit the public, right? And Lincoln goes, hey, could you pass a drug test right now? Could you? <laughs> what would it like at that point? You know, you get what I'm saying. Like, don't bullshit me. Can you, can you pass a drug test? Yes. So, like at that point, like, what can you do? Right? Like, I, like, I'm not gonna. As someone, and we've talked about this even on the public pod. Like, I enjoy it. Right? Everybody, like, yeah. it, it's more common in 2021 than it ever has been. Look, I mean, the state of Oklahoma, and funny enough, this is a great conversation. So someone on Inside Texas asked me, Brady, about, like, what's the positives of living in the state of Oklahoma, right? I made the joke that, like, getting a medical marijuana license is as, is, is as accessible as anything and that we have more dispensaries per capita. So nobody here in the state has an issue with marijuana well, or anything. But the thing is, is that he's been banged for it. He admitted that he was going to his apartment to smoke it. At that point, Brady, for me, I'm sorry. No, well, let me let me just say this. Go As ahead. someone who doesn't smoke weed, um, I'm not that Cannabis. Familiar, whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm not that familiar with the laws. But for football players that aren't from the state of Oklahoma, I mean, don't you have to have, like, don't you have to... You Residency. Have had to, you have to have lived here for a certain amount of time to get, like, any product from all the dispensaries that are within... I think like, you have to get a license. I think you have to have an Oklahoma ID. Okay, so it's not something as simple as, you idiot, there's dispensaries everywhere, just go buy it legally. It's mm-hmm. like, no, like Trajan is from Texas, so he can't he can't do that, so he has to go through other avenues, and avenues that, again, as a non-cannabis smoker, 
Uh, Keegan, I could go. I could go buy weed right now. Yes, and it would be as easy as buying a Snickers. It me. would. It would be that easy. You have insomnia. Uh, insomnia cookie. What are you trying to say? Do you have uh, an ailment with your knee that, oh, you, that you need to get checked out? Yes. Unfortunately, I'm just a paranoid person. So, with that being said, you could easily just go ahead and say that and get one. Probably. Now, yes. this isn't a podcast that's going to go over the marijuana laws in the state of Oklahoma. That's not what this podcast is for. What are, what are the uh, breaking and entering and assault charges in this con- in this state? What are they like? Um, they, I'm not going to speculate on that. Are they less harsh than in the state of Texas? Allegedly. Oh, gosh. No, I don't know. That's, I, that's not good. I, I would say, from what I know and have read and understood, that, like, if you have a medical marijuana license and you're giving it to someone that is not medically marijuana licensed and you're selling it to them, I think it's more of a, more of a problem to the state of Oklahoma <laughs> Than it is regardless. Anyways, that's beside the point. Trudgeon Bridges and Seth McGowan have now been kicked off the Oklahoma football team. You heard Lincoln Riley talk about it. Brady, I know this is me leading into this, but I good for good for him. Good for Lincoln. Good for good for him. Yeah, um, I'll give some credit where credit is due on this one, and I'll disclose a some private messages. But I, I know he listens to the podcast, but. Uh, OU underscore Rough Riders. I, ho- I hope that th- that's his uh, Twitter handle. Uh, we know him as Stephen Brown. The great Stephen Brown. From the Crimson and Cream Machine. He said it first uh, to me, so I'll give him credit because I didn't actually th- – my brain wasn't going this fast. But this is a great culture move for Oklahoma because I it's kind of gone, like, over my head. But there are some people with, that follow OU, OU fans, and even people nationally that feel like Lincoln Riley has – kind of become like in it going into his fifth year as a head coach as a complete nutter players coach soft. which is yeah which is code for being soft on discipline and just like we've talked about that in, uh, in other ways Keegan like even last year about how this team is one of the more penalized teams in the conference and it was like that overnight from the time Bob Seuss retired and then Lincoln Riley took the, the team over like the team just got penalties a lot more now some of that is because Orlando Brown was still on the team, and uh, you know he he liked to set the tone. Then Cody Ford came out and wanted to set the tone. You know, it, it's just a thing. Who cares? But Lincoln Riley, for better or for worse, true or false, has kind of garnered that reputation um, from outsiders. And this, you know, kicking off a highly recruited, uh, in some sources, five star recruit in Trajan Bridges, and a high end four star recruit in Seth McGowan, who we all saw had great potential, great talent. That's that's great for the culture. Now, oh, you can get away with this because I think we both agree, even though we thought very highly of Trajan Bridges going into the year projecting based off of his talent and what we were hearing in the spring, without Trajan Bridges and without Seth McGowan, OU is still one of the more national title contending favorites across the country. Like, this does not move the needle. Like, this will be, in terms of, like, national news, this will be forgotten by the time football, like, by Big 12 Media Day, it might be the last time we hear about these two kids. Yeah. Until, I, until they end up at their next school, and hopefully, like, and I'll say this is, like, from the human angle, I do hope that, you know, I do hope that they can clean up their lives and make better decisions because they are incredibly talented, and they, are, they have the ability to make more money in one year than I will ever make in my entire life, and I would hate to see that being wasted. <laughs> it well, I mean, it, it certainly has, and we we could talk about you know the ins and outs of that. I this is a point in time where we discuss where there was a lot of talk behind the scenes that marijuana is not an issue in the NFL these days. Trenton Bridges was not it's not in the NBA anymore. The Trenton Bridges was not going to be knocked for that at all. It's um, just the repeating ru- the repetitive rule breaking. Correct. And well, here keep going because I I don't want I don't want to like I don't want to segue into something else. But go ahead. No, you're good. I, I the NFL saw Trajan Bridges as a potential top pick in the NFL draft next year. First round pick, first second day two guy, probably more than likely first round ceiling. Um, I mean receivers are just they're what running backs were 20 years ago correct. in the draft. Yeah, and we we're gonna get into that as well. I he had to basically keep his act in order for nine months and he'd be getting paid millions of dollars to play this game and so he obviously that's now going to be a problem um you know if if there's no charges brought upon him and you know he ends up at like a west alabama and ends up with the kansas city chiefs 
and you know, and and ends up having a long NFL career, like that's not going to be an issue uh, from a financial perspective. I this is the point where I say I I know the bridges personally. It's shocking, you know, that this all happened, and I've talked we've talked endlessly off off the air and off this podcast about my relationships with the bridges and how shocking all of this is. You're not burning any bridges right no. now. No. <laughs> no. God, your dad jokes are on point today. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. And, you know, it's just I, I feel for Jack. You know, I feel for that family. But, you you know, you we've I've been through some of this, right? And, you know, you, you make the bed you sleep in. But it's how, it's how you respond to, to adversity. And, you know, I, he had his chance – you know, at the University of Oklahoma, credit Lincoln. Um, you know, for a while there, I thought Treasure Bridge was going to be playing football at Oklahoma this fall. It's hard to – it was hard not to think that. Each day that went by and there was no update on Trajan's stats because, I mean, what was it, a week and a half ago Seth entered the portal? Correct. So, like, each day, like, kind of put me in a, in a mindset where I'm like, is Keegan actually – like, because all the stuff we were talking about off the air, is Keegan actually on – like, is he, am I going to have to watch him play football at OU in the mm-hmm. fall like that? I don't know. That just doesn't jive with me. Correct. Given given the history and like, look, I understand. Like, you have a much more nuanced understanding of the family and where Trajan Bridges comes from, and, mm-hmm. I, and I respect that. Uh, but I mean, good parents can do all their work as a parent, and sometimes kids just get led astray. And this is just an example of a kid just making poor decisions. Like, his life is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Well. well. It's. Not, I mean, even even if the worst case scenario happens, it's not over. Correct. And ten years though, potentially is on the. If, I, it, if the charges are real, just, just like we were, just like we were being kind of pragmatic six podcasts ago when this went down, and we were, we were kind of like, okay, we know where this is probably going. I'm going to assume right now he's not going to get the book thrown at him. Yeah, and it was definitely pointing that way. You know, I. But I, I, I want to reiterate again, credit to Lincoln because he could have taken this one direction, and I think I hate that the band. fan base probably would have divided them for a while until Bridges caught a pass against Nebraska at home. <laughs> but it, it probably would have, right? I mean, it would have brought up unnecessary Joe Mixon connections. Correct. I mean, we talked about the on Through the Keyhole two weeks ago because a patron brought up the name, and and it was a good spot for it because it was from a question that I asked. Uh, but that would have opened the door for conversations like that of how, like, oh, this is hypocritical or this isn't hypocritical. Well, why? Because he's not a superstar running back, you know. like So stuff like that that we don't have to talk about anymore, which is why I'm like, okay, good. As a fan, I don't have to worry about it. But I do respect that the world does not revolve around me and there are other people involved in this entire situation. But that's why I said I hope that they can – take whatever second opportunity is afforded their way. I'm going to assume, like I said, the book's not going to get thrown at them, so they're going to be able to potentially play uh, college football at some level. And if they make the most of their opportunity, no matter where they are, the talent will speak for themselves, and they will find themselves being paid to play football in the next few years. Yeah, I, Seth McGowan projected a little bit differently than what Bridges did. From it's it's going to be harder for him just because of his position. Yeah, and, and obviously all the backstories as well. Yes. I mean, we're not going to get into those. We're not, I'm not going to air anybody's dirty laundry on this podcast. But, you know, it's it's one of those things, Brady, where I, I sit here and I know we're about to get into it with, like, what does this mean for OU offensively without Bridges next season? But it's – you know, I, I'm with you. I, I hope the best for him. Um, it's it's sad. Uh, I hope the best for him. He can't go to a junior college, so he's going to have to end up at a, you know, FCS, D2, probably. Um, North Texas, you know, is down there in Denton, which is close to where uh, Hebron High School's at, down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, you know, I I hope I hope the best for him. I hope it all works out. I, you know, if if the char- if, if the allegations are true, though, right? Like that's where it's you know I. Well, I think we've already talked. Like if the allegations are true, it, it's it's bad. But yeah, very bad. If the allegations can be true, but charges cannot don't have to also be filed. Because, Absolutely, because of some <laughs> some other funny business on the <laughs> other side. Correct. And you know, we're not going to get into that because he does he or she because I don't know who it is, but he or she does not apply to an OU football podcast. No, need no, he does not. No, yes. and 
So, yeah, I'm I'm at a point where I'm like shocked, right? When Eddie Eddie Radosvich hit the tweet out that both of them had been removed from the Sooner Sports roster, I was like, "Whoa, right?" I I didn't do my homework as a fan parading as somebody who hosts a podcast and therefore can be considered by outsiders as a media member when it comes to OU football, but if I would have known that Lincoln Riley had a press availability today, I think I would have told you on Through the Keyhole, oh, I'll, I kind of expect an update because someone's going to ask, right? I, I knew. So they sent out the release yesterday afternoon. Okay, so no, but nobody knew about this until yesterday. Okay, Correct, that yeah. That makes sense. So, which is, you know, I again, I credit credit to him. I, 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 I thought this was going to go in a different direction, which would have caught a lot of heat, but – he, you know, as you heard in the second quote that we gave, basically said, you know, the program is a lot bigger than Trejan Bridges. And I think for from if you're an OU fan, if you've followed this program for a long time, you respect that. I mean, it's just like Baker and the issue in Arkansas, right? Like Baker, no matter what, like credit to him. He brought the program back, right, back into this golden age is what we see now. Malachi Nelson's probably committing to Oklahoma because of what Baker Mayfield and the seeds that he planted. Malachi. Yeah, we'll be getting into that. I, uh, you know, credit to him. You oh, he's cheating. They're taking all the quarterbacks. <laughs> said, uh, said Clemson. Yeah, you, you know what's funny is in February we've talked about him committing in the summer, and it's weird how that's going to happen. Uh, anyways, regardless, I uh, – I think it's a fascinating, you know, it's a conversation that it's kind of fascinating, but at the same time, too, credit to him that the brand of Oklahoma football was a lot bigger than one person. No, I mean, that, that's what you want. I mean, that's that's Alabama is certainly like that. They've been very fortunate in that the instance they've had over the last decade have been, at least to the public's view, very minuscule, very minor, and therefore there was a culture down there that, you are replaceable. Like we want, we want the best talent to play, and if you are the best, you will play here. But if you screw up in a way that puts the program behind, then you are you are replaceable. And that's where I think OU fans want OU to be, and not necessarily like, yeah, we'd love to be like Alabama the last decade and win seven national titles in four years. That'd be awesome. That's not very realistic, but you at least want to be in a place as a program exactly like that, where you can go up to a five-star receiver and say, "Sorry, we can't, we can't." We can't do business together anymore. We just cannot. Correct. It's not good for us, and it's not good for you because for whatever reason, despite all the advantages you have in this in this place, you're not utilizing them and you're making poor decisions, so you need to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I it, it was giving you the kind of keep going on that. I You want to get into my tweet today because where in terms of how this impacts Oklahoma. So with Jaden Hazelwood? Yeah. You know, we, we talked a lot, and there was kind of a polarizing conversation today in terms of like – Trudgeon Bridges being the best receiver that Oklahoma has, there's two conversations to that, right? Like, the best receiver that is, you know, in terms of production is a little bit different. But at the same time, too, you know, like, thanks out of practice you were hearing about him, he was going to be Oklahoma's primary receiver target this season. And where that comes into play and I, I made the comment about Jaden Hazelwood and rehabbing his knee. Uh, let's get some inside info here on the Inside OU podcast because that's what you guys come for. Brady doesn't know this yet because I haven't told him. I I have under good authority that Jaden Hazelwood's 100%. He's gonna when August 1st and fall camp runs around comes around. He's gonna be without a brace on. Well, in I mean, the, in mean, the fall. Yeah, I mean, I I just assume through time like. Like, we're four months away from kickoff, and if he was able to play in the spring game, then he's probably, if not 100%, close to 100%, but by God, like, four months from now, he will be ready to play, like, normal Jaden Hazelwood. Now, Mm -hmm. what we'll never know is what's going on in his brain in terms of, like, running routes or cutting really hard or absorbing contact. Like, that's something that affects players differently because the the medical science would suggest that, no, like, ACL tears are such a thing now where you can come back in less than a year and you'll actually be stronger than you were prior. But every player is different, has a different mentality, and their pain threshold or their fear of a pain threshold is different from player to player. So that's what we're going to learn come fall. Like, he could be 100%. 
But will he be what we have billed him to be over the last few years? And, you know, I've said already, like, um, either to you privately or maybe a little bit in other words here on the podcast, uh, Trajan Bridges gone, and I'm like, okay, he's not really done anything. There are reasons for that, but he's not done anything. So, okay, sayonara. Jaden Hazelwood hasn't really done anything either, but he's done substantially more Correct. than Trajan Bridges, which gives me the projection or the optimism to go, if he's 100% and he's not worried about his knee when he's playing, oh, he's going to be fine. This is why it's a big deal. Oklahoma is at its best when they have a dominant receiver that can play outside, he can play inside, he can do a multitude of different things. C.D. Lamb, go back to 19, right? Yep. C.D. Lamb was the all-time Z. C.D. Right? Lamb is OU's best receiver in school history. Correct. Yep. And But he was the all-time Z, right, where he was playing, you know, lined up inside, he was lined up outside, and he was dominant. That's the role Trojan Bridge was going to play this year. So my, when Jane Hazelwood, and I hear today that – he had the most reps, right, of any receiver in the spring because of Theo Weiss's injury and then Bridges getting banged. Hazelwood was working out at the X, the Z, and the H all spring long. He had the most reps out of any wide receivers. So when it comes to spring game time, right, he's just getting, you know, going through practice every week and it's just, you know, the toll it takes on a, on a body – Makes a lot of sense why he's a little bit gimpy going back to the line of scrimmage, right, after that one-handed catch when, you know, he makes a one-handed catch, and I, I, Brady, can, you, you can contest this. I basically told him, I was like, yeah, one-handed catch was cool, <laughs> but I was more worried about him limping back yeah, to the line of scrimmage and, and afterwards. Even, even still, like, this was something that I kind of expected. Like, let's say Jaden Hazelwood has an All-American type season. Correct. I'm not going to expect him to be like that game one. This would this would be something I could easily see where by Texas or the game after Texas, Jaden Hazelwood, it, like, the light bulb comes on. Yeah. Like, we've seen that with other players, whether they be receivers or running back. I mean, DeMarco Murray's a perfect example. He gets hurt um, at, in 2007, his tr- redshirt freshman year, comes back game one healthy and looks fine, but is clearly not the same player that he was prior to his uh, injury, even though, you know, because Bob put him on special teams. Bye, Nick. We love you. Shout out to Vanessa House. Shout out, Nick. Uh, but it took DeMarco, what, four or five or however many games it was until OU played Texas and lost in them in 2008 before DeMarco finally looked like the player that we knew him to be. So this is something, even with Jaden Hazelwood, that I'm not necessarily expecting him to be a dominant All-American type, like the guy receiver game one. If he is, then OU is way ahead of schedule. But the thing is, is OU can win all their games until until Texas, until whatever it may be, um, they can win all their games if Jaden Hazelwood is still trying to like kind of feel himself back into the game of football because it's something that requires like you've you've got to you've got to build up to it. So if Jaden's not 100%, you know, like pragmatically, so be it. He'll have plenty of time to get back to it. Sounds like he's going to be without a brace come fall camp time though, Brady. How does that make you like I th- for me from a psychological perspective, right? Like that makes me feel a lot better about the position that Jane Hazelwood is in, as people who lie by us um, here at Vanessa House. I, I, Jaden Hazelwood, if he can be that guy, because, like, you're going to hear – you guys are going to hear me say this. I, I said this today to some people, and I think Brady will agree with me. Like, Marvin Mims is kind of limited to the role that he's in, right? Like, he's the, he's the slot receiver. He's kind of to that role because that's what fits his skill set best. Theo Weiss is a pure outside receiver. Jaden Hazelwood has the ability to be the game-changing receiver for Oklahoma. Yeah. The fact that I hear today that he is in a lot better shape than what we've been led to believe is it should be music to a lot of people's ears. Because if Jaden Hazelwood's lining up outside as a solo guy and he's dominant, Brady, if he's lining up inside and he's also a dominant guy, what that you'd realize how much pressure that puts on defenses – Okay, now we've got to account for Jane Hazelwood. If he's outside and Marvin Mims is inside of him, who are they going to bracket, right, as a defense? Yeah. And so that's where I was at today is, like, the rehab, right, of the summer. I'm not going to sit here and say that I fully believe that Jane Hazelwood's 100% as of May 6th, but a lot of signs point to him being right where he needs to be come August which is not what I expected before today. Yeah, now, 
I think like the big question that OU fans might have is, okay, like do they need to raid the portal for another receiver? And I think the distinct, the distinction you need to make is not necessarily for a, like a starter, not necessarily for a guy, young guy, who, right? A young guy for depth because if Jaden Hazelwood is what we think he is, Marvin Mims is like he proved it last year. Like Marvin just needs to just keep getting better as young players do as they get older. Um, Theo Weiss, you know, we've kind of given him the benefit of the doubt last year, and even still last year, he was still a fairly good receiver. Uh, everybody else, you know, their talent and their records speak for themselves. But if any one of them gets hurt, that's why OU needs to kind of raid the portal as of right now because they need depth because, I mean, Lincoln's already talking about, like, Cole Atkinson getting a scholarship. I mean, we saw Jackson Sumlin ball out in the spring game. If that's what OU's rolling with, like, past their two deep, that's why OU needs to go through the portal because, like, that's what the loss of Trajan Bridges does as it pertains to this season. It doesn't necessarily move the needle away from them winning a national title, but if somebody gets hurt, Trajan's not there to pick up the slack. No, he's not, and the big thing is, you have to note, Mike Woods coming in from Arkansas. Yeah. He's going to play a huge factor into the season now, but Mario Williams? Here's your spotlight as a freshman. Exactly. And, like, is it as simple as saying, well, Mario's here, so. No, because they play different positions. Um, yep. But at the same time, this now allows a guy like a, a Mario Williams or a, or a Marvin Mims, right? Like, those guys, Marvin Mims is obviously freshman All-American. Um, a lot of people draft-wise, you know, people I talk to. Well, here, you're going to get mad at me. Like, Go ahead. I, I think Marvin Mims is the best receiver on the team. I think Jaden Hazelwood has the opportunity to, to become that guy, but if Jaden is just good but simply not C.D. Lamb, I mean, God forbid, who is C.D. Lamb? Like th- th- there's a reason why C.D. is special. But if Jaden is just simply not the guy that you're trying to describe as being the Z, I don't care. Like, Marvin Mims is awesome. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, doesn't block that well. We'll get into a Marvin Mims breakdown here over the summer, but it doesn't block that well. Let's keep saying that on the Patreon page. Maybe he'll, like, chime in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the I think the biggest thing here to note, though, um, before we get out of here, on this topic at least, I, I, I Theo Weiss's foot injury uh, looming large. Is he going to be ready for fall camp? I don't know if that was asked today. He was in a hard cast in a scooter at the spring game. That's not good. Not good. Um you know, I that's how Mark Dagnalt described Shea Gillis Alexander like yesterday. <laughs> Even though he's like hooping and hollering on the bench, but it's okay. For sure. It might have been a few months ago, but he has a significant tear. Past sure. tense, my friend. I uh, you know, so I where I'm at is that this receiving core Brady is at a point where Mario Williams is in town. Drake Stoops is still pretty good. Yeah, Drake, Mike Woods. Drake, Drake is Dude, like Drake Stoops is good. He's a legitimate football player who yep. helps you win games. Yeah, and and you've got if Theo Weiss comes back good, and he fixes the drops issues again. He has a broken foot. That's not stopping him from practicing catching on the you know tennis ball machine or or anything. You know, so it's gonna make it a little more difficult, right? But people overcome that. So I, I, I'm excited to see what they kind of come from here. I the last note I have, which is, is not. <laughs> You know anything? You no, know, we can get into, and I could just sit here and describe it to you on the Inside of You podcast. But what the situation today tells me, Brady, Oklahoma is going to be a two back, two running backs on the field, two H or two H backs on the field at all times. I want that anyway. Like, yeah, because Eric Gray can line up about what? Yeah, yeah. So, and at that point too, what Oklahoma loves to do is when they don't have to substitute. Because when you substitute guys on the field, you get into different personnel, getting you guys on the field it allows the defense to do what Iowa State, Oklahoma State, all these other teams do, which is take a lot of time to get defensive tackles rotated in, which then slows the offense down. The more that they play in two-back with Eric Gray, Kennedy Brooks, that has Jaden Hazelwood on the field, that has Marvin Mims on the field, that has Theo Weiss on the field, the more that you know, those things happen – the more they don't have to substitute, the faster they can play, the better it is for everybody. So, do I sit here and think that Trudgeon Bridges, and I've said this, could have been a difference maker between Oklahoma winning a national championship or not? I do believe that. Do I think that, like you said at the beginning, does this impact Oklahoma's chances of winning a national championship? No. No, but he would have certainly, like, he, he could have been a guy who won you a game or two. 
Correct. And that's like when you're talking about a, a blue blood school trying to win a national title, that truly describes a special player. And that's what the potential that he had. But that's all it is now is potential. It's not like, oh, you lost. Imagine if OU lost CeeDee Lamb going into 2019 for some reason. Oh, shit. Like, that would be detrimental to that team in the short term. And then, if, you know, for all we know in the long term. But, Keegan, we didn't even get to this on uh, Tuesday uh, because we just wanted to spend an hour and a half, like, complaining about the playoff, the pl- everything to do with the committee and all their BS. But OU had a rather successful draft day last week. Now, don't t- don't tell the national yeah, media. Don't that. tell anybody that because, yeah. like, no, like, oh, you sucks. The Big Twelve sucks. Uh, but it, I guess let's start with the Big Twelve at large before we get into OU because anything to do with OU, like, to get that out of the way. Whenever we were talking about like this guy could go first, Ronnie Perkins or Creed Humphrey, that was an absolute best case scenario. Somebody had to fall in love with them, and the likelihood of that happening was fairly slim. And it didn't happen, but Creed still went in the second round, Ryan Perkins in the third round, yada, yada, yada. But, Keegan, OU was in a year where they didn't have a draft-eligible quarterback who had already played. They didn't have a ton of draft-eligible players. They had two They had two guys leave that we were kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, go right ahead, and one of them got drafted. So OU has that type of year where they just have a younger team than they typically have had over the last few years, so they're not going to have a lot of draft-eligible guys, let alone first-round guys. And you're telling me the Big 12 couldn't help a brother out. No wonder no wonder, no one wants to come play here in this conference. No wonder OU has such an uphill battle, even as Oklahoma. You know, I, I, I'm going to say this back to you. Like, we get so focused on, like, one specific year because we want to be able to dunk on people. We want to do this. We want to do that. Let me tell you, what speaks volumes to me is that the run on Big 12 players came in the 6th and 7th round. Why? Because these teams probably were like, we don't want these guys becoming undrafted free agents and going to the team of their choice. We want control of these players. Yeah, Mike Tomlin was very excited about Trey Norwood. Like very. Like way more excited than I would have figured. Like, okay, you're just you're just excited because you just have a new player and he's on your team now. But no, he like mentioned crap and I was like, okay, like maybe there's something to what you're saying though, Keegan. But at the end of the day, I get what you're saying at the at the beginning. Because like, a year like, from now we're gonna be having a conversation and going Wow. Yeah. The Big 12 has all these guys drafted in the first two days. That's wild. Now, th- there's nuance to that in that in the last decade, the Big 12 has Correct. had a, a terrible, terrible go-around with the NFL draft outside of Oklahoma, but especially in the first round. Like, it, like that speaks for itself. But, like, tip- like, stupid, graphic, pointless crap that people will put out there to prove a point, like, bowl, like conference bowl win-losses. Like, that's pointless, <laughs> and that doesn't sway recruits at all. But this does sway recruits. It does. And I, I have to think that this makes it a little bit more difficult for Lincoln Riley to recruit, at least in the short term, until OU get, you know, hopefully wins a national title this year. That makes it much easier. And then puts like a plethora of guys into the NFL, and especially maybe four, three or four guys potentially in the first round next year. Like it'll correct itself then. But as it stands right now, that's where the frustration is as an OU fan when you're in a conference of teams who don't really hold their end of the bargain. Like, we have this communist thing where OU goes to all these big-time bowl games and they have to redistribute all their money that they get from them to fucking Kansas. Correct. Like, what are you doing to help us out except be there? Yeah. I mean, they put up 40 points on Norman in, in Norman in 18. Did you like my tweet a couple of weeks ago about that? Was it's that, come a long that, way since that, that happened. Was, that was Ruffin McNeil, technically, right? Correct. But it had Mike Stench on it. Correct. So. You know, so I, where I'm at is that Brady, I'm not going to get focused on this year because Will McDonald from Iowa State's in this conference, one of the best defensive end, best defensive ends in the country. And that's another thing. Iowa State's guys who were potentially draftable in the first round. Came Charlie Colars in, in in name still. Yeah. Uh, Brock Purdy is in AIM still. Brees but Hall is in AIM. If there wasn't a pandemic, the Big 12 probably has at least one guy in the big t- in the first round. Correct. And so where I'm at is that you're, you're looking at a, a situation a year from now. We're going to be recording this podcast and going, wow, all these guys got drafted. Like, that's crazy. The and Big oh, 12's loaded. And, oh, you didn't win anything with him. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, I – so I, I think it's fascinating, but I will say this. I'll, I'll, I'll finish my thought on this. It's, it says a lot, and we said this on Tuesday. 
it says a lot that Bill Belichick took an Alabama defensive tackle in round two, took an Oklahoma defensive end in round three, and then propped up Alex Grinch and the job that he's done in Norman. Jamar Kane and Calvin Thibodeau, yeah. Yeah, and, and propped them up. Bill Belichick, the GOAT, propped them up. Yeah, he would not have been doing that three or four years ago. No, he wouldn't have. So Even for a guy that has NFL talent like Oboe. And that's the success of this draft for Oklahoma. You have a Ronnie Perkins going in the third round. You have a Trey Brown going in the fourth round. You have a Trey Norwood getting drafted. Like, imagine saying that two years ago about those guys. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, yes, Brady, I'm absolutely worried about offensive recruiting for Oklahoma. God dang it. They did not put a ton of offensive guys in the top picks this year. Damn it. They're going to be hurting. That's sarcasm. Yeah. Malachi yeah. Nelson got a uh, – yeah, he's coming to Norman, okay? Like, guys, the the whole – you guys know this. We're not going to blow smoke up y'all shorts. This is why you guys come and listen to this podcast. Oklahoma is in a position where – and I put this on a post that we have on the Patreon. That's free for everybody. Um, I put this in, my, in the front uh, at the top of it. Oklahoma has a unique blend of – guys becoming draft eligible for the first time this upcoming season and a bunch of guys returning that will be end up getting picked like a LaRon Stokes he'll go day three next year like Isaiah Thomas have the size you know I I said this he's gonna have the tape yeah he has the tape he has the size he's he's just kind of maxed out athletically at this point right and that's gonna hurt him you know so he's got the tape and I've said this and I've said to some people it's shocking that I'm getting more questions about Isaiah Thomas today on by this point on May 6th for next year's draft more than Perrion Winfrey. And there's Perry, and there's yeah. still like a Perrion going in the first round. Perrion's just a <laughs> those kids though those kind of players don't come in Norman very long. Just like the David Stonekin, David David Stone kid that's a freshman at Dell City. Those kids come come around here very often, my friend. <laughs> oh, speaking of the devil, so apparently Mark Dagnalt, uh, this is a quick aside, the Oklahoma City Thunders head coach, said that the significant tear uh, was the original diagnosis. Yikes. So, of course. So they have to keep buying themselves time because the season's not yet over. And the NBA They've gotten fined from the NBA yet? No. No, because you know what? The NBA doesn't care. <laughs> I don't even think the NBA's like, paid attention to the Thunder played this year because half their fans haven't. But, no, um... Let's not get too ahead of ourselves with uh, next year's draft. Okay. But with this draft, and, of course, Creed Humphrey going to Kansas City, Ronnie Perkins. Falls to Kansas City. Falls to Kansas City. Um, Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre Stevenson going to the New England Patriots. Trey Norwood, or Trey Brown, excuse me, to the Seattle Seahawks. Trey Norwood to the Steelers. Adrian Neely wasn't drafted. Am I missing somebody? No, I don't think think you were. You had – Was it four? Was it five? Five guys drafted. Yeah, Trey, Trey Norwood. And here's the thing, too. I think everybody ended up in a perfect situation for Oklahoma. Seattle needs corners. Okay. Trey Brown, you bet on yourself. You go up to Seattle, you got a chance. Their depth is terrible on defense up there. Yeah, and they're going through a complete another, like, athletic build change. Because yeah. we're talking about the Legion of Boom that had gigantic, like, linebackers playing corner. Yeah, Richard Sherman. I mean, you had uh, – I mean, they still got the uh, linebacker that's there right now that's just a monster. I forgot. Will Thomas, Cam Chancellor, just just gigantic human beings. Yeah, and, you know, it, everybody ended up in a perfect situation. Like, and, and if I want to focus on two of them, the two perfect situations – Creed Humphrey going to Kansas City, Brady. Oh my God! I mean, you can't you can't put a player in a place better than what Kansas City with Creed Humphrey. And if Creed is le- a legitimate NFL starter, like relatively quick, I mean, weren't we like a year? Wasn't it like a year ago? Kansas City had no money, and they had to improve their offensive line, and now they have Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey. Yep. That's incredible. What do What do you think about Orlando telling Andy Reid, "Hey, you better go get this guy." I think that's awesome. Never played with him. Never played with him. I think that's fascinating. I love it. I think that just probably speaks to Bill Beanbow's coaching, right? Probably. Like this is a Bill Beanbow product. Bill Beanbow swears by him. If you think I'm good, then you you should also go after this cat. Yeah. We need a center. We need to improve this offensive line. This is a guy who can be a potential starter for 10 years. Sounds like Creed Humphrey's going to go a little, through a little competition up in Kansas City to be the starting center. But... Can he play, he can play guard, can he? He can. 
Uh, I don't know if that you know, I don't know if he fits there because I think that's why he fell because Dickerson went to the Eagles early in the first round. Creed just doesn't have that length, man. Yeah, like that was the thing. Like if you go back to that Iowa State game when when he when those defensive tackles that had some length that he allowed them to get up inside of him, he struggled. And that was I, his I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't giggle at that. But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Anyways, regardless, I, I, I think that's why he fell, um, ultimately, is that he didn't have the length of the other guys, arm length of the other guys that um, that were drafted ahead of him. Um, so I it, it, it's – and you know what's crazy? This is really football savvy shit right here. He's a left-handed center. Did you hear the – you, did you yeah, when and Andy and Reid asked him, he's like, he's you like, still snapping left-handed? Yeah. Like, well, I don't understand why that's such a big deal. Like I, that makes no sense to me. What's the difference between snapping right handed and left handed? Football people are weird, man. Well, I mean, there there is a proven difference in the way left handed quarterbacks throw. So I would assume there's a difference in the way left handed centers snap. Yeah, I, it's it's fascinating. But I, I would assume that would make more that would mean more if you're under center a lot more, which Kansas City is not. No, they are not. And Creed never had any snap issues, um, except last year a little bit early on in the season, right? Um. Regardless, I again, perfect fit. I can't think of a better fit for Creed Humphrey than Kansas City. Like, you heard Miami. You you know that. I was very to the point of I was shocked he didn't go 36 to Miami. I mean, absolutely shocked. And I know uh, credit Eddie and the Sooner Scoop guys here talking about Pittsburgh. They were the first ones to mention it. I was shocked that he didn't go to didn't he, he didn't end up in Pittsburgh. He didn't end up in Miami. Those were the two places. Or Baltimore, one of the three places. I was yeah. fascinated by that. Um, he didn't end up in the AFC North. That's the, the surprising thing. Yes. Baltimore loves them some Big 12 football, by the way. Tylen Wallace, yeah. Mike Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. Uh, Adrian Ely goes there as an undrafted free agent. Good for him. I just want to see Lamar Jackson throw jump balls to Tylen Wallace all year. <sighs> And then have Marquise have Hollywood run like just run nine. They got Rashad <laughs> Bateman too from Minnesota. Oh. Uh, I, I, I again, I, I can't think of a better place for Creed Humphrey than Kansas City. He fell, but he fell to the right place. And if he gets that second contract, that's all that matters in the NFL. And then Ronnie Perkins with Bill Belichick, Brady. That gives me the giggles. That gets me a little happy inside. Yeah, and just a, a player that you know with Ronnie what I've heard just takes to coaching very well. And if you're going to play for Bill Belichick, then you have to absorb coaching. You have to take, I would assume you have to take a lot of bad because it's ultimately for good because they picked you for a reason. They think you're talented. Ronnie Bergens, we all know to be extremely talented. If he can just buy in, and I don't think that that's going to be an uphill battle for him whatsoever. So it's all out there for him to be a, a steal in the third round because any just football person, watch Ronnie Perkins play against Oklahoma State. You want that dude on your team. Watch him play the last half a lot. He yeah, just he he would have he would have had the most sacks and tackles for loss by a defensive line player in a long since I, I, CJ Ayu. No, I but no 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 uh, Beal uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Beal. Beal yeah and oh yeah Jeremy Beal was a sack machine yeah like unbelievable unbelievable so. Ronnie Perkins is the guy that you sit there and you go, "Hey, go kill the quarterback. Hey, go kill this guy." And if he and if he trusts you and he believes in you, he's going to go do it. And Bill Belichick, believe it or not, he's very innovative in terms of talking to some people. Um, you listen to if you guys listen to our interview with uh, Mark Schofield, uh, prominent NFL draft NFL writer, quarterback basically, but. He points out that New England's running a bunch of Iowa State stuff as of late, last couple years. And Ronnie Perkins, you saw what Jaquan Bailey did to OU in the Big 12 title game, Brady, in the run game. Ronnie Perkins fits that perfectly. Perfectly. I, mean, I love as, it. I as, love the fit up in New England. I form. mean, I like Ronnie Perkins. I don't like the Patriots. I'm a Dolphins fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, my goodness, it's uh, – I mean, even with Ramondre Stevenson – I mean, it's a good spot for him for a few years because, I mean, also as a Dolphins fan, I know, like, the, the Patriots just have this this awful habit of we've got a very talented running back that people didn't really want. We're going to use him for three years and then let him go because we're, we're not going to pay him. We're just going to get somebody else uh, because I believe they didn't 
sign Sony Michelle, if I am not mistaken, which is great for Ramondre Stevenson now. You know, they loved them some LeGarrette Blount up in uh, up in New England when he was there, Brady. You would know that better than anybody. Yeah, I get I get that. I see LeGarrette Blount. He's a little more physical as a runner. Rem- Blunt is than yeah, Stevenson. Ramondre has more like wiggle and special He's ability to him. Not a power back. He can be like he can lower his shoulder and and run somebody over. You can hand it up the a gap on the goal line to Ramondre and he can get the job done. But he's not a battering ram. No, and, and I think it would be unwise to characterize or even utilize him as a battering ram. Like you want to get him out in space where he can make, make guys a guy, miss. make a guy miss or two because people are going to assume this guy's slow. Just gonna run me. Oh my god! He just juked the shit out of me. Yeah, at two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, he's very nimble. Very yeah, he light. is. And that was the most shocking part of like his evaluation. I mean, Mel Kiper had him as a fullback, right? Like that was a big joke. He's just not that uh, guy, man. Has Mel, has Mel Kiper just mailed it in? Well, I mean, he, has he? Has, never mind. Anyways, I uh, <laughs> I love the fit for Ramondre up in New England too. I I think though, I what probably the most thing that intrigued them is that if they they got Mac Jones now, so they don't have a running quarterback for but for one year. Shout with out to the Boston Globe, by the way. Oh, fuck them. Pardon my friend. Any any NBA fan that has ever asked me the question, do you think Boston can get this big-time free agent? I'm just like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I There's don't a reason go, why. I don't want to go into those reasons because they're very hard to prove in Oklahoma, but my God, they exist. You know, I as a, as a potential future employer, Boston Globe, I hate that. I said that. Anyways, regardless, that's ridiculous. It, but the thing is, though, about that is that they had ample amount of opportunity to change that, didn't they? Like, yeah. delete it, change the narrative. But they did it. Like, like, how do you not like? How do you not bring up the DUI? But you're gonna bring up the other shit. Like. That doesn't from a from a former journalist in me. It doesn't make any sense, you know. Well, it got clicks. It got them attention. And it I, did. And I remember that the Boston Globe existed, so they did their job. Yeah, they did. I I, I like the fit up there for both of them. Um, and then Trey Norwood up in Pittsburgh, Brady with Mike Tomlin. I mean, if there's anybody that can get the most out of him, there's about three or four teams. Pittsburgh was one of them, man. They they play a bunch of dime. They play a bunch of nickel. I Means Trey Norwood's gonna get on the field. Um, both him and Trey Brown have done work on special teams that will, will keep them on the roster, and that's exciting well, for both of them. Here's the thing for Trey Norwood that he's going to have to get better at, and I don't know if he can get better at in the NFL. He can't be afraid of contact. He can't. No, he can't. like he was. He was very the fortunate Brees this Hall year. Stiff arm the he was very, very fortunate this year once he came back during the Tech game and then went on. Like he made plays, and like he 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 surprised me. He shocked us, and all the power to him. But one thing he did not show was that he is not afraid of contact. And he's a defender. He needs to be dealing some contact. He's not gigantic. I understand it. But he's in, he's in the NFL now. He's with the big boys. You can't get away with just catching tip passes or jumping routes from overrated quarterbacks in the SEC. You can't live off that now. No, you can't. Um, you say Cal Trask was overrated. Uh, he was overrated his entire college career. You know, he only played one year. Two years. One and a half. Sure. But, as again, as I've said this, and you saw me say this on Twitter, as the conductor of the Kyle Trask Florida train a year ago, he went from very underrated to very overrated really quick. Really quick. And it was... So, like, when you're talking about, like, projection according to their talent or skill... I said like, he'd be a sneaky fourth-round pick, like, nine months ahead. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is just results as the quarterback of a team. Mm-hmm. And I have no results to, like, look at when it comes to Florida and Kyle Trask. And that's their fault they want to play their their JV team against OU. Fuck them. Yeah, and so regardless, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Adrian Ely goes undrafted to a great situation in Baltimore. They need a road-grading tackle that can help them in the run game. Adrian Ely can do that. Uh, best of luck to him out there. And I, I just want to finish over this. We've talked about this an ample amount of times, and I'll reiterate this. You can't fault a guy when there's a senior bowl invite on the table especially this year right like you can't 
it's such a big opportunity. All 30 NFL teams are there. You get one-on-one -on -one time with those coaches. You get one-on-one -on -one time in interviews. They can do a bunch of research there. They can get to know you as a prospect. You have to take that. The problem is, is that Adrian Lee showed to his pro day the same player he was in 2020. You can't do that. You can't show up to your pro day and be the same player. You can't. Ronnie Perkins, example, right? You saw me tweet that. He needed to show up to his pro day at 270 and show that he could be a defensive end in the NFL. He didn't. He showed up at 250, and, and you know, you saw the tweet. Teams wanted to see him work out as an outside linebacker. He's not that. He never has been that. I don't know who gave him the advice to do that, Brady, but it was bad advice. Adrian Ely showed up and tested as one of the worst offensive tackles in ever, ever. Him and Orlando Brown are the two of the worst. You can get away with it if you're Orlando Brown and you dominate for three years. You're the Big 12 offensive lineman of the yeah, year and an All-American. There was a reason why we were all we were all just kind of laughing at all the, oh, he can't bench press this, he can't do that, and we're just like, okay, like, don't think that highly of him. That's going to be your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> He's All he's going to do is just kick your ass. You know, so, yeah, NFL draft's really my alley. I, I think it's fascinating. I'll leave with this. Uh, we've got a post that's for free up on the Patreon that you guys can come to come and look at. I have projected four, 15 guys getting drafted Brady next year, which would set an NFL record. It's hard to get there, but then you start doing the math, right? It's like Winfrey's definitely getting drafted. Benito's definitely getting drafted. Thomas is definitely getting drafted. Osamoa is definitely getting drafted. Uh, Delaren Turner Yell is definitely getting drafted at probably late in the rounds. Uh, go down. You can go down. Marquise Hayes is getting drafted. Tyrese Robinson is getting drafted. What if Woody Washington balls out? Athletic. He's a safety. Yeah. You know. So athletic. He's gonna run a four low four four low or high four four low four five. As a corner, you can't test like that and, yeah. and, and translate to the NFL. He could have a big year, though, in zone coverage on his side of the field and have a big year and then get drafted as a safety. But if you keep going on the list, Kenny Brooks is getting drafted. Spencer Rattler's getting drafted. Mike Woods is getting drafted. There was 10 guys right there. That's 10. Well, hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't see this name. You might have put it on that post. Is Gabe Burkich going to get drafted? Ooh. If Gabe Burgess could get drafted. Thomas Fletcher, long snapper, Alabama. By the way, one of the greatest. That interview he had or the phone call with Matt Rule. By the way, Matt Rule. <laughs> love that man. Superstar. Um, so, uh, no, I, I think it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, with, when you look at Oklahoma a year from now, Brady, obviously a lot of things have to go their direction in the right way. But double-digit draftees is happening, and we just laid it out. Like, that's going to happen. Like, the people that are like, oh, like, oh, I don't get why everybody's like, Oklahoma's got all this much talent. Do the math. And here's the funny thing. OU's going to be really good the following year, too. Yeah, after that? Despite, oh, yeah. Despite just the absolute attrition into the draft. Oh, uh, Kelvin Gilliam's around. Corey Roberson's around. Jordan Kelly's still around. Josh Ellison? Josh Ellison, maybe. Jalen Redmond, maybe. Half that offensive line. Wanya Morris probably gone after this year. He could get drafted if he's not. He's back. Anton Harrison's still back. Caleb Williams is still back. Um, you know, so I, I I think it's fascinating whenever you look at uh, this group and what could be in 2022, what it could be in 2023, uh, and you keep going down that list. Caleb Williams is in Norman. He's going to be a top pick. Uh, you look at Jaden Hazelwood, he's going to be a top pick. Austin Stockner, he's going to be a top pick. You look at all of these guys on this roster, Brady, no longer as an OU fan can you sit here and complain that there's not enough talent in Norman because it's here. It's arrived. It's here. Yeah. And it's fast. And good, good for them. And that blue chip ratio just keeps going up. You want to touch on those crystal balls? Or before we get out of here? Oh, yeah. So Malachi, Malachi Nelson. So basically another, you know, Stephen Brown pull. So Lincoln Riley sees a quarterback in an odd number <laughs> here and just goes like, I want you. You're coming. And they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm coming. He's the only offer, only quarterback offer. Is that not unbelievable? It's delicious. Yo, like, you've heard us say this, right? I, I, I will believe. We're to rocking the, out with Nickelback here. We are. Can't, can't hear it in the background. 
I uh, I don't say this, and you've heard me say this, and you go, let's wait, let's pause. I said the same stuff about Rattler based off what I was hearing out of Norman. There's talk out of Norman Brady. This cat, they think that this cat may be the most talented quarterback that they've recruited, including Kyler. We're going to say a transfer. this every two years, aren't we? He's better than Caleb. Oh, he's better than Malachi. No, I again, if, if the tw- – <laughs> You Jason, ready? You ready for this? Jason you, White's son is in high school now. Yeah, I know. Is that not wild? What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so you you look at you look at this though. So you have this is the time when we I mentioned this and I said I would at some point. You go 15, 16, 17, Baker Mayfield, eighteen Kyler, nineteen Hertz, twenty twenty one Rattler, twenty two twenty three Williams, twenty four twenty five, or Malachi Nelson. That's 11 years of NFL quarterback play. 11 straight years. You all are some spoiled mother. Yeah, I mean, and Blake Bell played quarterback here, and he's still in the NFL. He is. You're right. Now, don't add any other context to that, Keegan. <laughs> no more context from you. You know, so I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, you saw Helms, Luke uh, Helms from Nebraska, the tight end. Got a crystal ball as well. Don't know much about him, but if you are a – Loyal listener to the Inside of You podcast. You have been well aware about the Malachi Nelson train. Since February. February, Brady. That's what we do on this podcast. That's what we do. Is Clemson going to cry? Allegedly, they haven't even offered him. They want him to come camp. They don't want that smoke. You know, is we'll talk about that on the quarterback lineage recruiting and all that stuff. on a few, We've talked about it before on this. We'll talk about it on a future podcast. But Can't strike out if you never played baseball. Listen. I think it speaks volumes that Clemson landed Cade Klubnik from Austin Westlake, four-star quarterback, huge stock riser last year, won a state championship, beat Quinn Ewers, who is currently committed to Ohio State. But as the <laughs> as the hoofbeats are telling me, Brady, I think he may end in Austin. But I think it speaks volumes that Clemson took Cade Klubnik and then they go all in on Malachi Nelson as a just not keeping up with recruiting. What does that tell you? As a fan of football, oh, you're asking me to you're asking me a question when I've had a few beers. My head hurts. You know, I, I guess I'll, I'll answer it for you. I'll answer my own question. Answer me. That tells me that Clemson says, "Oh shit, we're getting behind here. We're not in the the Alabama took Ty Simpson from us suit." Dude, it's funny, right? Alabama is now following the same lineage. They take Bryce Young. Bridge year with Jalen Milrow. Then they go get Ty Simpson. Jalen, poor Jalen Milrow. Poor Chandler Morris, right? Yeah. Um, You know, that tells me Clemson saying, oh, crap. I mean, clearly you don't need a Heisman winning number one overall pick quarterback to win a national title. I mean, Mac Jones won a national title. <laughs> but when you're talking about Clemson. And when their BCR is not like Ohio yeah, State and Alabama. And it's, their BCR is what it is, and their talent is. Like, their balance of talent across their roster, it suggests one of, oh, they need a high-end quarterback to make up for some of those like those positions where the talent is just kind of lacking for whatever reason. Because Clemson has uphill battles, too. But, I mean, th- that's what helped OU in the years building up to this, is they had generational quarterback play. Now, unfortunately, it was squandered for reasons outside of Lincoln Riley's control. We've talked about that enough. But... That's, I mean, Clemson, your time is coming. It is. It is. Uh, first cuss word was said by a head coach in the uh, Lloyd Noble Center today, Brady, in maybe 10 years. Did you you watch that? I love watching Porter Moser coach, man. Brady. It's awesome. He, you know. Moser militia, baby. He may pack that place. He may be right. He may be right. But remember, Long Kruger was a good guy. He's a nice, nice man. He did, Brady, he did exactly what he was asked to do. For too damn long. Maybe. Yep. Maybe. And that's where that's where it is. You know, KT Turner's hired. Emmanuel Dildy's hired. That staff, though. And then he goes and steals a, a member from the Arkansas coaching staff. Better staff. OE's basketball coaching staff for Gandalfs. Well, it's a hell of a lot better than what's happening with the baseball team at Norman, let me tell you. They almost swept. Oklahoma State. Almost. They, they, yeah, and then they went and got run-ruled by Tech and Lubbock <laughs> on the following Tuesday. 
um, as a former college baseball beat writer, let me tell you, shocking what's happening in Norman this year. Anyways, I'm with you. Uh, the coaching staff that he's assembled, we usually have some basketball information. I don't. Like, there's been nothing on the Bryce Thompson front for me, which is, yeah. as you know, is a little bit shocking. I'll check in tomorrow. We may have an update on our Patreon by the end of the day tomorrow um, in that regard. But I, I will say, sounds promising for at least one Oklahoma kid. That's what I know. And if it's even just one of them, and I'm talking about Jackson Robinson, Trey Alexander, or Bryce Thompson, sounds promising for one of them. Doesn't sound like Jackson Robinson's involved, so either Trey Alexander or Bryce Thompson. Dave, they have hit it out of the park in Norman with basketball. Joe C., job well done, sir. Job well done. Yes, thank you, Joe. Thank you very For much. For your secretive trips to Chicago. Very, very secretive. Not as secretive as other like super millionaires, though. We won't get into that gross stuff. Did you hear about the Bill Gates stuff? Oh, I did. Yeah, not secretive like that. No. That's that's disgusting, potentially. But that's where we're going to end the Inside OU podcast for today. And it was a lovely show. We appreciate Nick from Vanessa House. We appreciate Vanessa House for taking good care of us, letting us have some beers. Uh, everybody's having a good time inside. As you can hear, maybe the music through the microphones. Everybody's having a good time. Come on out. If you don't, you will be... Uh, Brady will find you. You'll be sorry. I remember. I have a very good memory. But everybody, for Keegan Renault, Brady Trantham, y'all have a good one. Keep listening to Inside OU, and we'll talk to you later.